Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 167 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me. All right. I have a really fun episode for you. I'm sitting down with Dr. Sarah Smith and Dr. Jesse Mahoney and getting all of their tips about how to approach a new year, how to make 2020 as amazing as it possibly could be. Now, if you haven't listened to them yet, make sure you check out episode 165 and 166, which were about reflecting back on 2021. And then my tips about how to reflect forward and create intentions for the new year. And then the next three episodes of the podcast are going to be these interviews with some amazing physician coaches to get their advice, their tips. I thought I'd bring a whole wealth of advice and information and approaches to you so that you can figure out what's going to work best for you. Make sure you listen to this episode. There's such good tips and there's really good little nuggets, things that even I'm going to take away and apply to my routine for this year for getting ready for 2022. Now, if you haven't gotten on the wait list yet, the doors for Stress Eating SOS are opening up. So this is my weight loss program for physicians. It's not really just about weight loss, though. It's for any physician who feels that they kind of know what they should be eating, but really find it difficult to actually do that on a day-to-day basis to stay consistent. That is what Stress Eating SOS is for. Now, if you haven't gotten on the wait list, make sure you head over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS. If you're on that wait list, you're going to get earlier access, plus you get exclusive bonuses. And the doors are going to be opening officially January 18th. But if you get on the wait list now, you'll get a bit of earlier access and get some fun bonuses too. So head on over there. If weight loss is part of your goals for 2022, and you are a physician who identifies with what I said about kind of knowing what you should be doing to be healthy and to lose weight, but just really finding it hard to do that consistently, I've got you. Stress Eating SOS is the program that will totally change your approach to eating and weight loss so that you do it from a positive place. You do it from a place that feels good. And that actually gets you further to your goals. That helps you reach the big goals. And that's so important. So get on that wait list, weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS. All right, let's get to the interview. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah and Jesse. I'm super excited to have you on. I'm really excited about recording these episodes, this series of episodes about talking about the new year and getting all of your insights and advice on uh, creating a fantastic 2022. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody? Sarah, why don't you start? Hi, I'm Sarah Smith. I am a rural family physician in Edson, Alberta, Canada, and the charting coach for physicians. And I am Jessie Mahoney, and I'm a pediatrician and a mindful coach at Pause and Present. And so do you guys have your own routines that you do for the new year? I must say that I don't have a 
special thing that I do every single year. But every single year, I tend to start to consider what I would like to have achieved by the end of the year, if that's kind of understandable. So I have a routine that I like. I don't know if I call it a routine, but I like to choose words for the year. And for me, the words, since I coach from the mindful perspective, I think about them as intentions. And so I'm also a yoga teacher, as many of you know. And so in yoga, we choose intentions. And the idea is sort of to choose the tone of your year rather than a goal or an outcome. And so it becomes maybe like a GPS or a light post, a guiding light. And so that once you've chosen those words, you can go to them whenever you're stuck or out of line. And as you think about them and think about the year, they sort of get into all the nooks and crannies. I will say that I think a lot of people choose one word. And funny because I'm a minimalist, but I don't choose one word because one word is not enough to sort of create a full, like full spectrum life. And so I usually choose three words and then I choose one word that's like a stretch word, which is a really hard one that I struggle with that maybe I really want to bring in, but it's just a little edgy for me. And so the three are sort of really the way that I want to live and approach the life, my life. And then the other is a way in which I really want to grow, but it's still a little edgy. And I have found for many people that that is sort of the right number to some of them may be more push words or growth words, and some of them may be more just how the flow in which you want to approach your life. And so I kind of love that exercise. And for me, it's worked really well. That's fun. I do the word, but I do a, a single word generally for the year. I like the simplicity of it too, of just like you can just kind of recenter yourself about the word. But that's interesting about multiple words. I worry I would forget <laughs> some of the words. <laughs> if I had multiple. Yeah, I have found that I don't because I spend a long time choosing them, honestly. And so I probably start in the middle of November choosing my words and thinking about it. And I think it's that kind of six-week process. And if you're starting in January, there's no actual strict calendar to the year, right? You can start whenever you want. But for me, that process of, of defining them and choosing them, I just don't forget them. You, I also... Will you can put them as like a screensaver or you can put them in places that pop up a lot in the beginning. But I think for most people, once they've been through the process of really exploring the words and the meanings of the words, and often in the choosing of the words, I actually have a lot of fun with words because I think they're really, when you choose the wrong word, you end up in the wrong place. And so playing with like synonyms on Google and looking at the antonyms, the antonym often tells you like, oh, nope, that's not the right word or, oh, it's absolutely the right word because that's the opposite of where I want to be that people generally don't forget. Yeah, that's interesting. Let's talk a little bit about like, where do people go wrong with the classical New Year's? Because so many people, obviously we all think of New Year's resolutions as like the classic approach to the New Year. And for most people, those don't necessarily feel good. And there's a lot of like flack about whether they're even worth doing. And so let's kind of talk about where people might go wrong when they've got stuff they want to work on for the year and they're kind of viewing it in the classical sense. Sarah, do you want to start? So I teach this quite a bit when we're talking about managing people's backlogs. Can you just define a backlog just for people who aren't familiar with you? <laughs> so sorry. 
um, unclosed charts or unfinished charts that are just sitting there creating burden, mental energy that you are just looking to take off. You could consider it in your population like um, excess pounds that you want to lose. And overscheduling is a big is a common theme that I see often. So in the next hour, I want to close 30 charts. Okay. But when you look at the math of that, that's two charts, sorry, a chart every two minutes. And so obviously that creates a lot of hurry and haste and anxiety and overwhelm. And you just, you may not even get to the end of the hour. You might just look at it and say, that's not possible and stop. And so I'd love to just stop them right there and say, no, don't do that to yourself. Overscheduling doesn't feel good in your body. So if you are creating a goal for yourself, that's creating hurry and haste and anxiety, like I want to lose 20 pounds in January, for instance, just step back and ask yourself about the hurry. And then what is it that you would have liked to achieve by the end of the year gives you a goal to work towards, check in and make sure that it is, it could be impossible right now for you, but is it actually, you know, physically possible and then breaking it down into smaller and smaller increments that are achievable. We still need to do the work for how do we set a goal and work towards it and be ready for succeeding and failing as we go towards that goal. But we don't want to quit and we don't want to wish for things to just happen because that's just us quitting ahead of time. So if we come back to that, what are the mistakes people make? It's rushing. It's today I changed completely and I want this massive result in five minutes. And I think that one is just just human. It's just part of being a human is that we want results this minute. And for many of us, it is not going to be a same day change. This is going to take persistence and continuous effort, a lot of success and a lot of failing. Yeah, I love that. And I think when you were talking, I was thinking, especially in the weight realm, big goals get a bad rap, right? Like people worry, I'm going to set this goal too big, this weight loss goal. And therefore, I'm going to fail and make myself feel bad. And I think a lot of the, when you have a big weight loss goal, those places where you kind of stumble and New Year's would be classic for this, right? Like I'm going to, like you said, 20 pounds in January, take everything off that I put on over the holidays. But it's not the goal itself that creates the problem. It's not having a big goal. Big goals are great. They make you grow so much. But it's the big goal plus a fixed timeline and what your brain defines success or failure about that is exactly what you said, that that creates the issue. That's when you feel like you failed in quotation marks at your New Year's resolutions when if you just kept going, you would have gotten there anyways. It just might take longer than what you thought. Yeah. I love moving goalposts. So what I'll often do with my physicians is ask them to set a 30-day goal and we'll have a theme for that 30-day goal. And we learn that we're going to have our back. We're not going to beat ourselves up when we don't achieve the actual result we were looking for because we've learned so much in the pursuit of that goal. And then when we get to the end of the 30 days, we just get to move the goalpost. So if they're not there, we just make it another 30 
or another 10 days. It really doesn't matter. What matters is you made huge leaps, bounds, had faith in yourself, started taking steps towards that goal. We're not going to give up at 30 days. We're just going to move the goalpost. We forget that we can do that as adults. It's so much fun. What are your thoughts, Jesse? Well, my thought on what Sarah said is being kind to yourself. And I think we use the New Year's resolutions almost as a way of being unkind. I didn't do it. I failed or I missed one day, so I might as well stop. And so partly it's the slowing down or not rushing lack of haste that the opposite of that is where we get stuck when we're rushing and in a hurry, but also using them as a way to be mean to ourselves, I think is the, is the mistake that we maybe set weight loss as I'm going to be kind to myself. I'm going to take care of myself this year. But the goal of I'm going to lose 20 pounds isn't really kind to yourself. So I like to think about how you want to feel. And I might say, I want to feel lighter at the end of 2022. And lighter might be might be less pounds. It might be less judgment of myself. It might be less judgment of others. It might be less resentments that I carry. But when I think about it that way, it helps me sort of get there in a more easeful, long course. And I think the other thing is to set your goal for the end of the year. So you have the whole year to do whatever it is. And maybe even... I tend to pick non-specific goals because they're so outcome-based, so then you can fail. Whereas if you're choosing just a direction you want to be constantly moving in, then you can't fail. You're just inching that way slower or faster. So I think the mistakes would be the time course and not treating yourself well about it. I think another mistake I see a lot is people picking too big a goal. And not, again, as you said, the increments, but like missing the brand of the ladder. And so they just want to get to the top and they don't have the steps that they need to get there. And so I think when we use this willpower, which strikes me as many, many New Year's resolutions, we just run out of willpower at some point and then we judge ourselves and give up. And so having a goal that doesn't require willpower, that maybe comes from inspiration then it's just a more kind and nurturing and easeful and fun process. I also think if you can make it fun, then we're much more likely to get go in that direction. So to me, losing 20 pounds, that doesn't sound fun. Maybe having my clothes fit that, so I don't have to go shopping, for me, that would be fun. Or to be, even to be able to get something new when what I have doesn't fit, that would be fun. So thinking about it in a more fun way. Yeah, I like that, the idea of taking it from inspiration, because I think that's one thing I see as a mistake, especially when it comes to weight, is a New Year's resolution is often, and I talked about that in the last podcast episode I did, is often built upon this assumption that there's something wrong with where you're at. It's like the New Year's resolution is made to atone or make up for what you didn't do correctly in the previous year. And that feels horrible. (laughs) It's when it feels horrible, it's not sustainable. Like it just creates more of that judgment. And if we can instead, and so the if anybody listening, if you haven't listened to the two previous episodes, you should, because the first one I talk about looking back on the previous year and rewriting that story, because the default our brain will tell us is everything we didn't do right, everything we didn't quite reach. And it wipes out all of the growth and all of the things we did do and all of the small changes that we made that matter. And so we have to look back and actually make ourselves see where we're doing things right. And then looking forward when you've already created a base of, I did well, and I made some big changes, and I'm on a journey, then I think it makes it easier to look forward in a a positive way. 
where you can create goals and things that feel better instead of feeling like, like I have to do it by January because I didn't do it last year and I'm failing if I don't get this done. All of that feels so crummy. And honestly, with weight stuff and eating, it messes you up. Like it makes the journey harder. It drives more eating. It drives more weight gain because you're making yourself feel so bad in the journey. I also like this idea of what you want, instead of focusing on what you don't want, focusing on what you want. Um, And that that can, again, just make it a little bit lighter and a little more easeful because you're not sort of fighting or resisting something that you don't want. And so whether you want to call it a resolution or an intention, looking at where you want to be, as opposed to not where you're getting out of some place you don't want to be. So if we're going to look at the end of the year about the things that we're desiring to create for ourselves this year. So I do this for a weekend. So you can do it in a t- microscopically and you can do it for a whole year. And I guess, cause we're at the beginning of a new year, we're thinking about the whole year, but I'll think about on Monday morning, what are you so happy that you did for yourself on the weekend? What are you going to look back on on the weekend and say, yes, I achieved what I wanted to achieve this weekend. What are the things that you want to put into that weekend so that Monday morning you can not have worked all weekend or you just did laundry all weekend. You actually put into the weekend the things that you were excited for and wanted to achieve and make sure they were a priority. So the same can be then put into the whole year is when you get to the end of the year, what do you want to look back at and say, look what I did this year. Look at the things that I created intentionally this year for myself. What am I proud of that I did within that time period? The time's just arbitrary, right? We just make this up. But (laughs) if we look back, like you were saying, if we look back at 2021, what what was in there that you created intentionally, memory-making ideas, career goals, weight goals, whatever they were, what was it? Just take a moment to be proud of that. But then ahead in this next year, what do you want to be intentional about? What do you want to get to the end of the year and say, yes, I did these hard things. I did these intentional things. I did these fun things. What would they look like? And then we can from there pop them into the year intentionally with intention. So when I look at my goals for the year, I'm excited for my goals, but I know that they're going to be uncomfortable. (laughs) So I'm in Siobhan's program and I have weight loss goals for this year, but I know that weight loss for me (laughs) is physically uncomfortable. There will be hunger issues. There'll be exercise. Exercise isn't comfortable. You just get to be proud of yourself when it's done. So then I start thinking about, well, I know myself. I'm old enough to know myself. How can I make it fun? (laughs) How can I make it a little bit easier? How can I help myself achieve those goals? So one of the things that I've done this month is I've organized a personal trainer for the year. So I've got somebody to help me with the accountability to achieve the goals. So I know when I get to the end of the year, I will have done a minimum of 52 workouts in the year. It'll be more than that for sure, but it's a way for me to help. I know when I'm signing up for this goal, I'm signing up for some discomfort, but I also get to create something in my life that I haven't been consistently able to do. And so that was part of this next year. I'm excited for it and I've helped myself plan for that. 
That's nice. I like that because essentially what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for success by identifying potential obstacle. So like identifying that, okay, this fitness is going, it's uncomfortable. I might not always want to do it. And so how am I going to address that obstacle? I'm going to get help and get support. And I think that's awesome and amazing. And I think, you know, while you were talking, Sarah, it just made me think too, for all of you who are listening and are thinking about creating goals and setting big stuff and working on big goals is there's a lot of time when you're working on a big goal and you're trying to move your life in a direction where you cannot see in the trenches, you can't see what's happening. You can't see the changes that are being made. And I think back before we started this uh, interview, I was thinking, when did I start my New Year's kind of routine? And I think it was back in 2016 was the first year I did it. And really that's when my weight loss journey started. Like, And there were years where it didn't seem like it was going anywhere. And yet now I look back and I'm like, wow, doing this intention stuff and doing it kindly really has changed my life. And it's created a lot of things I never would have been able to predict in my life. But especially when it comes to weight, sometimes when you're in it, you can't see the changes that are happening. You can't see the benefit and the growth that you're having. And yet with enough time at the end, you come out the other side and then you look back and you see it. Just like when you're on a run or something and you're like the first mile... (laughs) You're like, this really sucks and it's really horrible and I'm never going to be able to do it. And then if you keep going, all of a sudden you look back and you're like, oh, look at how far I actually did go. But the first steps are always the hardest and they feel like nothing's happening and you're not going anywhere. I have actually taken that idea of discomfort, which it used to work for me to say like, oh, it's, you know, on the other side of discomfort is fun or on the other side of discomfort is growth. And I have actually in more recent years flipped it. So one of my words for this year is luxurious. And so now I just try to make everything luxurious. And I'm like, what would feel luxurious? And I just want to point this out because Sarah and I did the same thing. I also have a personal trainer and I'm going and, but I treat it as this is luxurious. So it's not going to be uncomfortable. It's luxurious to have someone waiting for me who is there to support me. And it's like a gift to myself. And so now I want to go. I'm like, oh, this is my luxurious treat. And so for me, that just feels good. And even feeling better, I mean, doesn't always feel good. But I just sort of, at this point, I'm kind of ignoring that part because I'm more on this trajectory now of how can it be easy? I think as physicians in particular, we're sort of addicted to the hard and let me push through the hard. And so I have this new sort of way that like, how can it be as easy and or luxurious? And for me, luxurious doesn't mean that you just sit on your lounge chair because that's not actually luxurious because you don't feel good. It's actually luxurious to be a little bit lighter and move and have it simple, i.e. an appointment with someone who's waiting for you (laughs) and who tells you what to do, et cetera. So like for me, that eliminates the willpower. And so sometimes it doesn't have to always be discomfort, but I just thought that was interesting because it led to the same decision-making process, which is setting yourself up for success, but with a different mindset And I think as I think about setting yourself up for success in 2022, I think the secret is to know yourself and to be onto yourself and to figure out what works for you and whether it's like acknowledging the discomfort and being prepared for it or finding a way that just sounds inspired and luxurious, whatever it is where you are along your journey. And that may change each year. And maybe that's the key part of this reflection is tapping into where you are on your journey and what's going to be your specific path for this year. 
and being okay that your journey and your path might look different from others. I think that's another place we go wrong in the new year is we focus on like where we are and compare to where others might be or where we think we should be compared to others and try to make change based on that. And again, it feels crummy. It's mean to do stuff like that to yourself. And I think your comment about appreciating when we come from a place of always appreciating how far we've come, it makes the forward path also look better, right? Whereas it's like, I haven't done this, I haven't done that. Then you have to tap into willpower and be mean to sort of get yourself going again. Whereas if you're halfway there, or I noticed the other day, I was noticing all the things I hadn't done. And I was like, wait a minute, I've done 90% of the things I wanted to do. I just haven't done the last 10%. And here I am focusing on that. And then it made it much easier to do a few of the things on the list. Yeah, yeah, just shifting the thoughts. Sarah, when you were talking about kind of setting yourself up in the in your weekend strategy and stuff, I think that's a really good way to think about 2022 as well, since we're heading into another wave of the pandemic. And we're now, this is our third year, third calendar year in this pandemic where life doesn't look the same. It can be really easy to feel like sort of dragged down and think about all the things you can't do, all the things we're not able to do, all the things that are different. And if you use Sarah's weekend strategy and you think, okay, over the year, what can I plan or put in that I can do that the pandemic isn't impacting that will give me those moments of joy or the things to look forward to? Similar to what we used to do, and everybody's obviously at different places in the pandemic, but similar to what we used to do in normal life with holidays, right? You'd always have plan your next holiday before you've finish the first one (laughs) so that you always had something to look forward to. And for a lot of us, that peace has disappeared or it's a lot more like up in the air, questionable, right? Like if you do plan something like Sarah and I, Jesse all are planned on going to a conference, a mastermind in April. And now I was really looking forward to it. But now with the pandemic stuff, I'm thinking, okay, that's probably not going to happen or things are going to have to improve a lot in order to make it happen. So what can you plan that isn't going to be up in the air that you can look forward to that is going to help support you in what you're wanting to create in your life and that doesn't have that, like, I don't know if I can actually do this piece of it that we're getting kind of dragged down during the pandemic? My thought is two also simple things like buying yourself flowers. <laughs> I see your beautiful tulips in the background or something that you do that's kind for yourself that is achievable what you can do and sometimes even the smallest things it doesn't have to be a personal trainer it could be a beautiful plant or flowers to me is one of the easiest or some you know delicious organic food something that you can do that really feels nourishing and healing so you're not coming from this place of beating yourself or whipping yourself forward but how can you nourish yourself fully in all the ways to help make your journey that much more pleasant And sometimes, guys, just as an FYI, that can be just giving yourself permission to leave the house and do something with nobody else. (laughs) So I know a lot of the people that listen, that your time is limited, like that time to yourself is really limited and gifting yourself time where it's just you doing what you want, not working is can be huge and luxurious, but you have to give yourself permission. I often ask myself that question, what would be luxurious? And sometimes it's bringing your coffee back to bed. Sometimes it's going outside for a walk. Sometimes it's going to exercise. Like it's different on different days, but what if you ask yourself that question 
each day, because I don't think we treat ourselves badly when we ask a question like that. And we tend to, if you've set sort of a goal for the end of the year, it's usually luxurious to be in line with that. And so I think that when we're kind of getting back to what gets in our way of success as we are trying to create the year we want, it's not really allowing ourselves to do the things that would really feel good, all in the name or the vein of getting achieving a goal that doesn't that we want, but there's so much negative in there. I'm looking at you, Sarah, the charting coach. And I always remember that for a lot of people, getting those charts done is self-care, right? If you don't have them there, it feels amazing. So literally not having piles of charts is luxurious. And so doing five a day is luxurious, actually, and or approaching them differently can also be it. I was on the internet this morning, scrolling Facebook, and I was just astounded by the ads that have started now that Christmas is over. The number of different programs available for every single thing in your whole life. (laughs) This is a program I'll say a lot right now. I was sitting back thinking if I hadn't already decided what program I was following, I might have been overwhelmed by which one of these is perfect. Which one of these is the thing that's going to get me across the line this year? And just noticing that external feed that's coming at you constantly, for me, it was amusing. Because I'm like, no, that's a no, that's a no. I'm so pleased I don't have to think about which one of these I'm going to do this year. But I can understand how very overwhelming it would be for the majority of the population that's looking ahead at 2022 and trying to decide what goals they want to achieve and who's going to help them get there. And is that the perfect one? And then going in and doing all the research about how to get this done perfectly and can't have any room for error. And I want this result now and immediately and perfectly. And I just, I already understand life's imperfect. With COVID, everything becomes imperfect because suddenly you're canceling plans, the right and center, that I'm happy with imperfection. I just allow imperfection to be part of the journey. That's part of the success and fail. So successes and failures are still moving you towards a goal. So let it be imperfect. It does not have to be the perfect plan. It can be the one you want to do just because your friends are all doing something else is totally fine. Just have your back that you made a decision and you make great decisions and just keep moving forward. I think that is such a liberating piece of the puzzle. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that it's not only like you're probably going to have some failures when you're reaching for a big goal, but the failures that you're talking about and the imperfection are a part of reaching a big goal. Like you can't do one without the other. And I think this would be another error that we make when we think of the classic resolution path is if I'm doing it and if I'm being successful, I therefore must be doing it perfectly. And yet if you're being successful, you must be stumbling. Like this is hundred percent true. You have to be falling flat on your face sometimes is you doing it successfully? Because that's how you learn. That's how you figure out what doesn't work. And and it's that skill of falling on your face, getting back up, keep going on the goal that actually will get you to the big goal. So I think that's so true. And it's a good point about how much information we receive in an average day where we're not even necessarily aware of it, that can kind of muddy the waters when you're working on something for yourself. I love that, that change is not linear. And so we just sort of bump up and down, but we're still on our way. Yeah, absolutely. Any last tips or thoughts? 
for you guys? I used to hate making goals because I knew I would let myself down. So I wouldn't make a goal knowing that I wouldn't get there perfectly. So I was afraid of the goal and hated them. I would like, why would anyone want to make a goal? That sounds like a very painful and awful thing to do to yourself. The process of deciding what I want to achieve and working towards it, knowing that I'm just agreeing to not beat myself up, agreeing that I am working towards something and it's allowed to be messy and I'm allowed not to get there. I just don't want to quit because it's something I want to achieve eventually. And a goal for me helps now in this new way of thinking. A goal for me is more of a game or a competition with myself. I get to have fun working towards it, even if I don't achieve it. So knowing where I had come from, that I was afraid of the goal and I didn't want to set a goal because I knew I would be so mean to myself if I didn't do it perfectly and didn't achieve it versus now I set a goal and it's a, something I strive towards because I really want that result for myself, but I'm happy that I am not going to beat myself up about it. But I'm going to love myself and we're going to have fun trying to get there and we're going to make it messy and it's all okay. I love that. I think that's the message is to have fun with it and let yourself play with it and use it as a way to grow, which if you think about kids growing and learning, that's fun. No one beats them up if they don't walk fast enough or talk fast enough or they get there and we're all excited and celebrate wherever they get to along the way. And so celebrating all the little steps and having fun and coming from a place of inspiration and kindness. I love the idea that having the goal is the kindness to yourself, knowing that that's where you want to be someday. I also like the idea that if you're going to get there someday, there's no rush. You don't have to be there today. We can get there two years from now, one year from now. We might think it's one year from now. And then we're like, oh, actually, that wasn't the right timeline. It was two years. You think about COVID, right? We, it was supposed to be over. It was supposed to be over. It was supposed to be over. Well, it's not over yet. And so the idea is like, this is actually just life. And so can we just have that same flexibility and kindness, knowing that the ultimate goal is to be in a space that feels different, a COVID-free world, which may or may not happen. But the idea is, again, being mad about it and resisting it isn't helping us. And so coming from that place of fun and play, um, I think of that about it as a game too, but just as like a game of joy. How can you bring in more joy? And I think this idea of in a year from now, so December of 2022, what will you be proud of? What will you have done that's fun? What will have felt good? When you come at your intentions or New Year's resolutions from that space, it's just inspiring. Absolutely. Fantastic advice, guys. Can you let people know how they can find you if they want to learn more about what you do? Sarah, you want to go first? Yeah. So I'm at chartingcoach.ca. That's where you'll find me. And I am at jessiemahoneymd.com or jessie is J-E-S-S-I-E. So I would love to find you there. It's also pauseandpresence.com and you can find me there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out on your guys' time off to talk about the new year. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. It was fun. All right. So many good things in that interview. And I kind of wish I'd kept the recording going because we kept talking afterwards. And we're talking about the concept of the words, what words to use for your year. And if you listen to the previous episode, you heard me say, I think trust is going to be one of my words. 
really, really practicing this year, trusting myself in all things that I'm doing, I think will make a difference to the year. Also, I loved Jesse's word, luxurious. I'm going to play around with that because I think that would be a fantastic, like trust and luxurious approaching all my decisions through the year with that would be great. The other thing that Sarah mentioned after we had stopped recording was having like a sentence for the year. So like a statement that helps you focus too. And I love the idea of that and I might be working on that. So coming up with a motivational, I'm sure it could be a quote. It could be a sentence that you just resonate with, something you want to tell yourself when you're struggling. So many different things. Love it. And I'm going to work on it. All right. Stay tuned. We've got two more of these episodes coming for you each week. So the whole month of January, we're staying with a theme of focusing on a 2022 that is amazing. And so I have a lot of other amazing coaches, amazing physician coaches coming to talk with me about how to create an amazing year for yourself. Okay, we'll talk to you later, guys. Have a fantastic day. Bye-bye.